Today we're sitting down with short-term rental owner Annette Grant, who also happens to be the co-founder of Thanks for Visiting, where she helps educate fellow hosts on how to launch and run profitable short-term rentals. Annette is curious about how she can leverage her own portfolio as she also has questions from other hosts who are looking to launch another short-term rental property. If you've thought about looking into an investment in the short-term rental space, this is a great episode. So let's get into it. We want to buy our next deal. We want to get our next property. And the cash reserves, they're, they're low. They're not where they need to be. I don't have the percent I need to get, to get my next property. And the market right now, I feel like, is shifting. A lot of people are going to be putting their places up. And I don't want to miss out on this opportunity. I know our community doesn't. Let's talk through what are these avenues. Help me. Help us buy our next property. Let's get there. Let's get there. So I want to start here. Um, I have a, a small amount of cash ready for, for the next property. I've already taken a HELOC out. Well, actually, let's let's go back there. I have a small amount of cash. I'm looking at my next property. Let's yeah. go through all the different scenarios of how I can, maybe I only have 5% ready and I need to get to that 20. How can I do that? Okay. Let's mix it up. So first off, I want to say thank you to all the thanks for visiting community. We've talked to a ton of people, had really great conversations. Um, and it's fun to kind of figure out where your guys' headspace is. Because uh, the investor community is so different from uh, one avenue to another. And the Airbnb community has a completely different outlook. And so we want to really uh, position you guys with loan products that allow you to scale your portfolio if that's what makes sense. So um, you talked about a HELOC. So I would say almost all of our investors uh, tend to start with pulling a home equity line of credit on their primary residence. Okay. Um, so again, uh, a lot of people uh, own their homes, have been in their homes for 5, 10, 15 years, have gained a ton of equity, especially in this ever-growing markets throughout the nation, honestly. Um, and that is a really great way to access probably where most of your net worth is. Mm-hmm. Um, here in Ohio, we have a you know a lender that goes up to 100% LTV. So 100% of the equity that you have in your property, you can get a line of credit for. Now, I would say like nationwide, you're probably looking at closer to like 90 to 95% is what they'll go up to. So don't get too excited. But that is a perfect way to kind of sit back and be like, where's my most, where's most of my assets right now? It's probably in your primary residence. Okay. And that should be how quickly, like, let's say today I'm like, wait, what the heck? I haven't even thought about taking a HELOC out of my primary. How quickly can I get that assessed? Can I see what's available to me? What's, what's kind of a time frame so, on that, do you think? So LFG doesn't offer home equity lines of credit. So again, we're, ju- we're a mortgage brokerage that focuses solely on investment I, real estate. Who, who's best to call? Who my Credit current? unions are great. Okay, great. Or keep it simple. Whoever you bank with currently, okay. make a phone call. Wherever okay. your checking and savings accounts are, give them a ring, uh, have a conversation, see what their terms are. Um, I would say most of those loans or lines of credit tend to close in about three weeks. Okay. It all comes down to their appraisal process. Some of them do desktop appraisals, meaning that they don't even come out to the house. They put your address in a computer and it pops out a value. If that works, if that gets the deal done quickly for you, sweet, awesome, move on. If you're wanting a more strong, accurate uh, number on your primary residence and they can do a full appraisal, which takes a little bit longer. And just listening to this, it sounds like this should be something that anybody that's interested in getting their first short-term rental, their second, third, like you should have it. do this work right now. Yeah. It doesn't hurt to do the work, to have it available to yourself if, well, you, if you're wanting to buy. You, you don't pay interest on it unless Until you, you use, use it. it. Exactly. Right. Sometimes there's like an annual fee of a hundred bucks or whatever, but to have access to, let's just say hypothetically a hundred grand, 
I'd pay a hundred bucks any day of the week for that. To just know that's there, ready to go, deploy it if you need it. Exactly. All right. So that sounds path of least resistance. You got some cash. But just Uh to clarify, no one's really doing HELOCs on investment properties. So I get that question a ton of people being like, well, I have this investment property that I own free and clear. That's not really a thing. I'm not saying no one does it. Um, Feel free to ask. It's better to ask and the answer be no than not ask at all. Um, But generically speaking, after COVID, almost all banks stopped doing uh, HELOCs on investment properties. So rare to get that on on your second on your second or your vacation home. Yeah, and so a lot of cases, what we've been kind of advising clients of um, is to maybe you know some of these people have some really sexy interest rates on their investment properties right mm-hmm. now, and and so that's why they're really considering HELOCs so they could keep that low interest rate on their investment properties. Let's have a conversation about that. I mean, again, um, you know, all these decisions are subject to the borrower and their risk tolerance and their goals and everything like that. Um, but I all I can say is let's look at the numbers and really figure out what the difference in your monthly payment is from keeping your 3% interest rate to going to where current interest rates are now and looking at how much cash you can get and what you can do with it. Right. Because let's say I have, um, which one of them we do have on a, on a property, we have the yeah. 2.75 or whatnot. And then let's say primary residence, you have the three. Would you advise looking at a cash out refi on both of those just to see. I mean, it doesn't hurt, right? To understand the numbers. I would probably put a HELOC on the primary. Okay. And then take cash Cash out out. on the investment. All right. So let's think it like, so just in this like couple of minutes of chatting, we might've opened up hopefully this treasure chest. Dollars and cents. uh, Of money where if you have not looked into the HELOC on your primary and then secondarily a cash out refi on your current short-term rental. And we know you might be, you know, really clutching to the low interest rate, but you are advising at least let's look at what cash could be pulled out, get you into that next property and and really kind of zoom out and look at the numbers over a long term, not just be so focused on that one percentage rate. Well, and my concern is I feel like there's investors that are holding onto that interest rate uh, because it's it's great. I don't deny any of that, but they're also limiting their potential. And so a lot of these are decisions that a borrower would make. It, it has nothing to do with our loan products. It doesn't have anything to do with us personally as a company. It's let's look at this and say, okay, if I could give you $50,000, what could you do with that $50,000? What cash flow would come from that? Mm-hmm. And what's the difference in this payment that we're talking about? The cool thing is it's dollars and cents. It's all math. Mm-hmm. We're going to give you the equation. You're going to look at it and say, nope, run for the hills, not comfortable doing that. And that's okay. Or I could give you a calculation. You'd be like, I'm crazy not to do right. this. Right. I can still get that. It's all just buying money. Yep. And it's it's buy money over time at a different rate. So it's exactly. kind of just looking at that. That's another, that's something I'll be honest. I haven't heard anybody because everyone is out there kind of like, it's kind of a badge of honor right yeah. now of like, oh, I got my house this interest rate. I've got this interest rate. So in there, like, there's like some, I feel a lot of fear around it's irresponsible if you're buying now at a higher interest rate. But I think also historically looking over time, like those rates were. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean my grandparents th- gave me hell when I said <laughs> I was mad about my 4% interest rate and they had perfect credit, plenty of assets when they bought their first house at 14%. Right. And, that, and we're that not there res- at all. We're, right. We're not there no, at all. Um, okay. And so I, we also talk about the concept of um, the, the rate's somewhat temporary. Um, so, okay, we refinance you now sure. at this higher rate. 
but it gives you the cash to continue growing your portfolio. If rates drop, that doesn't stop you from considering those options at that time. But does the transaction still make sense for you? Does the deal, um, does your Airbnb still cash flow in a comfortable way with the cash out? Um, and then what will that look like for the future deal? So there's moving parts to this. This isn't a, a simple, yes, you go do this. Right. No, it's going to come down to really what their goals are overall. And we really try to at LFG focus on what the goal is for the borrower we're speaking to. And that'll change. Like even us, the two of us, if we were to look at our goals for the next 10 years in regards to real estate, they'd probably be completely different. Exactly. And change Yeah, a lot over those years. Okay. So this, what we've been talking about is essentially just us bringing this, you know, as the primary owner, bringing the cash. Yep. Let's chat a little bit about, okay, I've, I am tapped out. There's no more cash be found. And I know people are hesitant. You know, there are some people that are like other people's money, other people's money, other people's money. I I'm the, that type like, oh no, I want to like do all the things by myself. Let's talk about bringing in some partners yeah, and bringing some of that cash that where they don't necessarily need to be an equity partner, more yeah. of like they, that partner is just a person that becomes the bank. Yeah. I'd, I'd actually say we'll probably kind of lean towards two different concepts. So, um, a lot of people are hearing in the market, seller financing, seller financing, totally an option. Not something LFG is going to help you with. Cause again, you're working directly with the seller. You're establishing My a mortgage. My friend just did get, got seller financing yeah. last week. And there's a lot of uniquenesses. To be honest, I don't know that I could even like pinpoint, oh, it's typically like this because it's whatever the seller agrees to. Right. So could the seller agree to no money down? Potentially. Could the seller agree to 10% down? Potentially. And the interest rate is subject to whatever is negotiated. The term tends to be shorter because the seller doesn't really want to have that loan outstanding right. with you forever. But it gives you time. Um, but it gives you time to own the property, kind of work, uh, set up the Airbnb, get it functioning, get that cash flow rolling, and then you can consider other lending options. But a lot of people are talking about that. So again, it's not something we can help with, but it's something you should keep in your back pocket as to something that can be done. And then the second concept is, do you bring in a business partner? So a lot of the conversations we had with Thanks for Visiting Students was, I'm not in a cash position that I'm comfortable with right now to buy something myself. How do I get to, how can I use products that will allow me to get into a property sooner rather than later? And so that was the concept of, maybe you bring on a financial business partner. And I say that in kind of two different ways. Yes, they could have ownership interests. You could really you know, work them into the LLC that you established, mm -hmm. probably a new LLC. Let me make that very clear. Right. <laughs> you don't want to muddle the LLC that you already have established with other properties, but set up a new one, figure out that relationship and kind of balance out the roles, however that would look. For sure. Secondarily to that, you don't have to give equity away. And I think that's where a lot of people get scared is, gosh, this is, this is my baby. This right. is like what I put together. I don't know that I really want to muddle that with another person. And I say, you don't have to. Some of these um, private fundings can happen just on a promissory note. Now, your person has to be comfortable with that and right. not having uh, potent potentially ownership in the property or a lien position on the property. But you'd be surprised. I would say very, very often do I know of individuals cutting checks of fifty, a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars to privately fund deals because they're getting paid handsomely. So right. know that that structure will have to be super advantageous for that person, but it may come it always comes back to does the deal still make sense even with these factors in place? And I that part of the financing, I think 
that's where I always get kind of, I'm like, oh, well, they're going to want to have equity. They're going to want to have it. A lot of times like, no, they want the deal to be very straightforward. Hey, I'm going to loan you this 50K, 100K over the next three, five, 10 years. This is a percentage rate yep. and that's a wrap. They want that's it what simple. they want to do. Yes. They so want it simple. You almost have to. And guaranteed. Yep. You almost have to sell yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's, and if you offer equity from the jump, well, then now you're stuck right. giving equity. Right. So slow Start. play it. Slow play it. Figure out. And honestly, a lot of these um, people that you would be privately funding from, look in your sphere. Look at family. Look mm -hmm. at friends. Look at people that you've done you know, business in other capacities in the past because they already trust you because they've worked with you before. Right. They have that vow of confidence already. Um, start with those people, and then you'd be surprised. That can expand and expand and expand as you continue to show you're a reliable borrower. Mm -hmm. You pay your payments timely. You're, they see your success. Yep. I mean, it can get... I, I love it. We have um, Mike, one of our coaches. He actually has like a brag binder. So every time he pays a lender back, he has them write a letter. Like, oh, wow, that's, that's cool. like, hey, this is the deal that I did with Mike. I do it over and over again. And he like brings that to the table when he's talking with other folks. So let's... I want to wrap this up because... This is the thing is we were talking before we got started. This is, it, it spoke to my soul, especially like at real estate investors. Let's talk about goals because yeah. I believe the deal can be structured anyway. You can work to find cash. Hell, you can work, just get yeah. a second job, a third job and like get more cash. But let's talk about the goals and starting there instead of just with the deals. Cause I think that's yeah. where we get on these like runaway trains of like, oh, I wanna have five properties, 10 properties, 25 properties. And we don't have a long-term goal yeah. in mind. When you're, when you're chatting with investors, when you're talking about the loan products, do long-term goals come up? What do you, how do you advise on looking at that and like reverse engineering the deals yeah. and all the doors? I mean, honestly, I start there. Um, so again, a lot of the products that we're going to advise of, the strategies we're going to put in place have nothing to do with the loan products. It has to do with who are we speaking to? What are your goals for the next five, 10 years? How do you want to achieve those? What's your risk tolerance? Honestly, most of the guidance that we give in regards to loan products is based on figuring out what kind of borrower we're working with and what is best for them. Because the process itself is stressful as it is, getting it set up, buying the process, mm -hmm. uh, buying the property, doing all these moving parts, that already has its natural stress. Let's not add lending to be a stress for you. Let's figure out how we make this so easy that you want to do 10 of these if that's your goal. Right. And that's the big thing. I think too often, and, and I don't think it's wrong, I think it's just different for everybody, is the investment community naturally is have as many doors as you possibly can. And that could be someone's goal, but it doesn't have to be everyone's goals. Mm -hmm. um, figure out what that number is. Maybe it's a, hey, I want to retire in five years and replace my income. Maybe it's, I want to have this much passive income in the next X amount of time. A lot of it will be based on your long-term goals. And so let's talk about it put pen to paper um, as there's always a, there's a statistics about, you know, writing a goal down makes it even more achievable. Mm -hmm. Let's figure out what that really is. And then let us be your lending partner that positions those products accordingly. So you can make these goals happen. All right. Cause, and before I think even that, that next purchase, that, that next, you know, that next lending adventure, it is figure out your risk, mm -hmm. not, you don't have to know it completely, but let's get some ideas on it, especially if you have a partner yeah. that need to have that conversation. And then what are those long-term goals? And then it's like, start, start working backwards. And that's like, book the call with Liz. You can go through it. 
figure out what the if there's a product available. And if there isn't, this is, I think, something that stops a lot of people too, is go ahead and start always be looking yeah. and having having those conversations so you you'll you're prepared when the perfect one like comes across yeah. comes across your uh, Even phone on the Zillow app. If it's six months from now, if it's 12 months, 18, 24 months, that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, we can put a calendar invite and say, cool, we're going to touch base in six months and see if your fina- financial picture has changed. Because actually, there is a statistic about every six months, someone's financial picture changes. Maybe you got a new job. Maybe right. you got a promotion. Um, maybe there was appreciation on your primary residence and now you can put a HELOC in place. Uh-huh. It's all these moving parts. And again, we're your partner. We're going to be there throughout the process to ensure that you do eventually hit your goals. We're not in any rush to get you there. It's cool. the pace and play of this is all up to them. All right. So book a call. Let's do it. 